It is Bayes Thomas, Tufshin Pei Bayes, the second of Thomas, 5782, here at the database of Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, where although this week's Parsha in Chutzlar, it's this Parsha's Korach, I could not help but notice a connection between today's daf and the Parsha Shavua in Eretz Yisrael, which is Parsha's Chukas. In fact, there are two connections to Parshas Chukas that are back-to-back in our daf today, which is Yevamos daf Kuftaz Zion, that's 116 in Yevamos. And as I've said in the past, here at Anyana Diomi, I really call it as I see it, we let the connections present themselves, and we're just going to call them out. So you can consider this an Eretz Yisrael edition of Anyana Diomi, or perhaps an early edition. And before I shout out the connections, I'll just mention that if you enjoy Shurim like this and others on the podcast and you want to partner up with us and give a sponsorship, then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. We also have a database podcast WhatsApp group if you want to join that and get frequent updates and the links for all the Shurim that are uploaded. You just reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com and you'll be added to that group as well. And so as we are considering the connections between the Daf and Parsha Schukas, I want us to also look at the connections between the two concepts in Parsha Schukas that you may not have known are actually tied to one another. So Parsha Schukas is known for many stories, perhaps most famously um, the the uh, story, or I should say the concept after which the Parsha is named, Chukas, the Chukas HaTorah, the quintessential Chok, right? That's an art scroll word. It's a quintessential art scroll word, quintessential. The quintessential Chok, the statue, the decree of the Torah is Para Aduma. And of course, in our daf, we find the reference to the ashes of the Para Aduma, the context of which I will elaborate on shortly. And yet another concept that we find in our daf and in Parshish Chukas is the Nachash. We know that after the Bnei Israel, they complain about the Mun and other things that they're frustrated about in the Midbar, and Hashem sends against them a swarm of these Nachashim Srafim, these poisonous, venomous serpents, and Moshe Rabbeinu responds to save the Bnei Israel by creating his own um, Saraf, his own Nachash that he places on a banner, on a pole. It's made out of copper, and the Bnei Israel, they look up at it, and somehow they're able to be healed from their wounds. And Chazal elaborate a lot on this particular story and what was the significance of the Nachash. But as we see in our daf, there is both the ashes of the para aduma, and we find a snake on our daf. And they're once again right next to each other in the daf. And what I want us to consider is, is there perhaps a relationship between the para aduma and the copper serpent of Moshe Rabbeinu? But while we're considering that, let's just um, take a look at the references that we find in our daf. So there are really two contexts where we find um, these um, these concepts, the ashes of the para aduma, the, uh, the red heifer, the red cow, and we have the snake on the other hand. And they're both in stories that the Gemara quotes. And these are not just typical stories that we find in the Gemara. They are stories to almost explain a shita. So we find, for example, the Gemara is discussing whether or not a woman is believed to testify that her husband has passed away. And Beis Hillel, in the Mishnah quoted on our, on our daf, um, says something very fascinating. He says, only in the case where they're returning from the wheat harvest, um, and he says it has to be like the Maisa Shahaya, they made a, they made a gzera, or a, really a takana, in a certain circumstance where there was a woman 
who testified about her husband's death, and lo and behold, they found it to be true. And so when the circumstances line up to be exactly like that story, Beis Hillel had initially said that only in such a circumstance would we believe in the woman, if it's in the same exact country, if it's right when they're returning from the wheat harvest, as the story relates. And we're going to see how this is connected to the snake soon. And the Gemara quotes the story. And I'll just mention it now that when they were returning from the wheat harvest and there were a bunch of men together and they, 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 um, and the, she testified that the man had died and apparently the situation was such that a snake had bit the man and that's how he passed away. And so we find the first reference um, um, to our daf, we find the snake. Um, but the other story that the Gemara quotes, because the Gemara suggests that maybe this shita can be aligned with the shita of Rav Hananya ben Akiva who suggests... It, when it comes to Paraduma, a very similar concept that maybe the case has to be similar to the Maisa Shahaya. That what? The Gemara suggested, or I should say the Mishnah suggested, that when it comes to Paraduma, the ashes of Paraduma cannot be transferred specifically by boat and specifically over the Yardane. You cannot, and it's not for other rivers, just the Yardane, just by boat, you're not allowed to transfer the ashes of the Paraduma. Why? Because there was a story once where this happens, where they were transferred, and that led to the ashes of the Paraduma becoming tame, they became contaminated, they were disqualified, not able to be used. So if the, if the story is aligned, that it's exactly like that, then you also can't transfer the ashes of the Paraduma in such a way, because once again, we're um, perhaps afraid, or we are just, in a certain sense, commemorating a negative occasion where something like that happens, and... Um, the Gemara goes on to suggest that the two cases are not parallel, but the point is we have two stories back-to-back, one about a snake, one about the ashes of the para aduma, and in Parshas Kukas, once again, we find the copper snake, we find the red heifer, and what I want to ask you to think about is what is the connection between those two? And if I could point to at least one connection, we find something very fascinating, two ideas in Chazal that uh, seem to be very parallel between the, uh, the, the para aduma and the Nachash Saraf you know, of, of Moshe Rabbeinu. And that is, we find very famously, when it comes to the, the uh, Nachash, so the, the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah brings us down in Daf Chavtes, and it's also an explicit Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah, that when the Bnei Israel looked up at the snake, they somehow lived. And the Mishnah and the Gemara asks the question, was it the snake that ultimately killed, or the snake that ultimately revived? Does the snake cause life and death? Uh, because again, the snakes seem to be killing the Bnei Israel. And then when they look up at the snake that motion made, they were healed. So the Mishnah says there, no, it's not the snake that kills or the snake that lives, uh, that causes life, but it's when you are when you're, when you're going against Ratzon Hashem and you do the wrong thing, that's when, that's when you die. But when you are mechavein lev l'ashanayim, when you um, have kavana to Hashem, when you're inspired by tshuva, then you live i.e., you do the wrong thing, you die. You do the right thing, you live. It's not the snakes. The snakes can cancel each other out. It's not about the snakes. And that's, uh, that's what the Mishnah says. What's really fascinating is we find a very parallel line in uh, the Bamidbar Rabbah. This can be found, Bamidbar Rabbah Yutas Ches, 19.8, where Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai makes a very similar uh, claim about the Para Aduma. Para Aduma, how exactly does it work? Does it cause 
be impure to become pure. So Riochan Zakai um, says, is that the does the ashes of the paraduma, does that is that the thing that causes purity versus impurity? That the Kohen that administers paraduma, he becomes impure. The person who is sprinkled with the ashes, he becomes pure. Is that is that is that the magic of the paraduma? Does that cause purity or impurity? And he says, No, it's the chok of Hashem. Hashem has decided that this person becomes impure, that person becomes pure, and it's all up to Ratzon Hashem. It's interesting, um, not, not for now, but we find a parallel Gemara in Baruch Salman Gimel by Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa and uh, the Arod, um, some, some refer to it as the Arvad. Uh, maybe for a different time we'll elaborate on that Gemara. But the idea we find between both the copper serpents and the para aduma is this idea that it's not really what it seems. Sometimes we think of cause and effect in the real world as you know, what you see is what you get, and that's basically it. Snakes causes people to die. Maybe in one miraculous situation, a snake causes people to live. And there are these magical ashes of paraduma. One causes purity, one causes impurity. At the end of the day, the governing factor of everything, ain't Malvado, it's Ratzon Hashem. If you are aligned with Ratzon Hashem, then you will succeed. If not, then you will not. And in the same vein, if you are in line with the Ratzon Hashem, of what causes purity, and if you're on the wrong end of Echas Hashem, you become impure. But at the end of the day, everything goes according to the Chukos Hashemayim. Everything goes according to Ratzon Hashem. So for those of us in Chutz Laretz, including myself, we could enjoy that preview. In the meantime, enjoy what you can from Parshas Karach. And as always, stay tuned and stay attuned to the fantastic Inyana Diomi. Thank you for joining us here at the database and have a wonderful Shabbos.